Welcome to the Harmony Church Podcast. For more information on service times, any upcoming events, or joining a life group, please check out our website, harmonychurch.nz. We really hope this week's podcast blesses you. Let's all stand together and give a thunderous welcome to Catherine Ruinala. Hallelujah. This is mine. Hallelujah. Hello, everybody. So wonderful to be back at Harmony. We love Christchurch and we love you. And it's such a joy to be here. Every time uh, we get time with Catherine and Gideon, our spirits leap because we are we are so alike in so many ways but we ca- we uh, we love to talk about what God is doing and the word of God and theology and we just it just works and so it's a joy to be here it's a delight to be here with Chad too it's, uh, the minute we start talking we all start buzzing and coming alive so this is going to be a really significant weekend are you happy Well, if you're not, God knows about that. He cares about it and he knows how to help you. And that's the good news is that he, no matter what sort of state you're in, the Lord is there to be your ever-present help. Hallelujah. Isn't he wonderful? Well, let's pray. Daddy God, you are magnificent and we love you. Father, I thank you for this weekend. Thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together. Lord, to worship you, Lord, to speak about your word, Lord, to preach the gospel. God, I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing and all that you're about to do. Father, we say we open wide our hearts, God. We open wide the gates of our hearts and we say, King of glory, come in. Come and manifest yourself to us in fresh ways. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of you. By your spirit, God, we're asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, to know you more. Father, we look for you. We need you. We don't, we don't say we're rich and full and have need of nothing. But God, we say we have a deep need that calls out to the deep kindness of your love. Father, come and fill us afresh. Fill us, fill us, fill us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. God is on the move. And, you know, I, I know even as Gideon was sharing about the world is going uh, wild with fear. We have the supernatural peace of God. We have the love of God that casts out all fear. And we have an opportunity uh, that is so glorious. You know, we have been seeing um, in Australia and we've, and around the world as well, the Holy Spirit starting to move on people's hearts in a way that is so exciting, is what we have longed to see for a very long time. I have, not too recently, but over a month ago, just so you know, been in South Korea and Japan. Hallelujah. So I'm fine now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Shaka Baba. <laughs> but I was, I was watching and seeing what the Lord was doing there too. And, and he's in, in the same way. Just before the virus hit there, my daughter and I were there. And the signs and wonders, the miracles that God was doing, people born deaf, getting their hearing. Uh, Emily, my daughter, my 23-year-old daughter, was getting um, 
words in tongues in Japanese, prophetic words. It's just, it's just amazing. And we're seeing in Australia, and I was talking with the pastors over there as well, and also in Bethel, they've been seeing similar things, that there has been, particularly in the last month, there's been a stirring where it's been like a personal revival going on in people's hearts, where there's been a fresh hunger to seek his face, a fresh desire to make room for God. And it's not a legalistic, I have to do this. It's a, I want to make more room for God. A, a supernatural, sovereign move that has been happening in such a way that it's spilling out corporately. People are getting gloriously saved. Last Friday night, as we as we were just, I, re, I released an impartation and then we, afterwards, I the glory was so thick, I just got down on the floor myself. And then some of our elders started praying for me and we all just got so hit by the glory of God, we could not get off the floor. I would, it, you could feel the weighty presence of God. And I was trying, I was physically trying to get off the floor so I could think, it's 10 o'clock at night, I, I, I'm sure the worship team would love to finish. And if I get off the floor, maybe they'll feel like, and everybody... But I could not get up because the glory is so intense and so wonderful. And, and we just saw it then increase over the weekend. And I really believe that if we will recognize what God's doing to him who has, God will give more. I was reading recently Bill Johnson's book, Defining Moments. And he talks a lot about the revivalists. And I, I love revival history. It's one of my things that I really love to look into. But he was looking at it through the lens of their encounters, their divine encounters and how it had impacted their lives. And talking about people like um, Finney and Moody and amazing revivalists. And I, I was looking at, uh, again, at D.L. Moody. And he, there's a story, you know, he was um, gloriously converted but then some intercessors began to pray for him to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he said, okay, that's a good thing. And, and he let them, these two little old ladies pray away. And then not long after, he was walking in the streets of New York, getting ready that afternoon to get on a boat to go to England to do some meetings. And then just as he was walking on the street, he felt this little tug from the Holy Spirit. And he knew the Holy Spirit was just starting to work in his heart. So he thought, what can I do? And he, he thought about the closest person to live nearby. And he went to their house, knocked on their door and said, can I just use one of your spare rooms for a couple of hours? And he just gave himself to what the Holy Spirit was doing. And the Holy Spirit baptized him with fire. He was baptized with the Holy Ghost, speaking in new tongues. And, and he says that, he preached the same messages and the same revelations, but all of a sudden, hundreds of people were getting saved. And it was the power of the Holy Ghost. But what I love about that story is that he turned aside to make room for what God was doing. I also read about um, Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival. And Evan recognized God starting to do something. There's only about 60 people when he called it and he wrote to the newspaper, sent them a telegram and said, the great Welsh revival has begun. I mean, 60 people. 
we're starting together. But that's it. The great work. And because, and Bill, Bill Johnson put it this way. He said, Evan Roberts was able to recognize the oak tree in the acorn. And because he was able to recognize what God was doing and give it his full attention, God gave him more. And a whole nation was transformed in one year. What will God do now? I tell you, there is genuinely something happening. I've, I've been at this for a long while. I got saved when I was 12. I turned 50 this year in May. Hallelujah. So I'm still in my 40s, about to become a grown-up soon. Not quite yet. But, you know, I, I really believe that there is such an invitation at this point in time, that the enemy would love to stop by distracting us with all the noise about fear and worry that's going on in the world. But at the very same time that the enemy is ramping up the spirit of fear, God is ramping up an outpouring of his grace and his glory, his love and his mercy, where I truly believe we are going to see the greatest outpouring, the greatest revival the world has ever seen. And I don't say that lightly. I really believe revival has begun. And I believe as we will water and turn aside to what we and give our attention to what God is doing, God will give us more. I want to read to you um, oh, <laughs> from Exodus chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles. Hallelujah. This is going to be a good weekend. I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning. Chad's speaking is going to be good. I've already heard him starting to talk and I'm like, ooh, tell me more. This is good. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire Yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he, looked, that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And we know the story that God commissioned him in that moment. But what I love about this is Moses didn't just see the sign and the wonder and run home and tell his wife, you'll never believe what I just saw. Seriously, there was an angel. It was a bush burning. It wasn't being consumed. It was so supernatural. It was God. It was amazing. Should have been there. He could have done that. But he recognized that God was doing something. And the scripture uses these words, he turned aside. And when God saw that he turned aside, he spoke to him and he was commissioned. You see, I believe we need to be really careful to recognize this divine moment and to turn aside and give our attention to what God is doing right now. That means making room in your schedule. It means, like Moody, 
maybe you were on a mission to go and do something and you have to turn aside and take some time out to seek his face. Whatever it looks like, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit doing this in my own life. I, I want room in my brain for what God's doing. I, I, I don't even want to listen to secular music on the radio. I you know, often listen to the Christian radio station and they'll, sit, they'll play some secular songs. And I'm so musical, because I, 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 as a music teacher, I, I, everything I'm hearing, I'm singing you know, for the next three hours. It's stuck in my head. I don't want anything stuck in my head that's not edifying or pure or holy. And it's not a legalism. I grew up in legalism, Pentecostal, holiness, legalism, no dancing, no radio, you know, no bikinis, nothing bad, no, um, no dancing. And, but it was a legalism. And they had, they had right intentions, but it, was a, it, was, it was, wasn't birthed out of a desire to, oh, God, seek his face. It was birthed out of a, we need to do this to make him happy. But this, what God is doing, is out of a holy hunger to say, God, I just want more room in my heart, my thoughts. I want, I want to surrender. I want to surrender. I want to surrender everything. The fire is coming and it is consuming up the little foxes that are spoiling the vine. Hallelujah. You know, it tells us in um, Song of Songs, and I love this passage, and I'll read it in the Passion Translation because it's delightful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where are we? Um, <laughs> so lovely. I can't even remember what chapter it is. I think it's chapter 2 here. Verse 14. For you are my dove hidden in the split open rock. Actually, I'll go back to verse 13. He says this. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth all around you. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers tells us there is change in the air. Arise, my dearest darling, and let us run to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me, for you are my dove hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship. How sweet and enchanting your voice in prayer. For you are ravishing to me. The time has now come. We must catch the troubling foxes. Those little foxes which hinder our relationship. They're the compromises which continue to ruin our budding vineyard of love I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We'll do it together. And this is the call of God that we're feeling right now in this glorious personal and corporate revival is this, this desire in your heart to say, yes, God. Thank you, Lord. We can live free from sin. Lord, thank you, Lord. I want to live in a space and a place where I don't want any little compromises to, to clutter my brain and my thought. Hallelujah. Because I want everything you've got. And it's his love and his presence and his face that causes us to do it. He loves your face. He loves your voice. But you know, he also throughout scripture keeps telling us to seek his face. 
And it's in seeing his face that we get absolutely overwhelmed and undone. And we want to cry out for more. We want to surrender everything we have. You know, people sometimes get mad at me when they, they say, you can't see the face of God and live. Yes, the scripture does say that. But I want to show you some other things that the scripture also says and give you a context for what God is wanting to do in your heart. You know, Tom and I were reading the other night in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 18. And we were reading about angels, uh, the angels and God coming to visit Abraham. You know the story? And, and Abraham looks up and there's three people. And it's God and two angels. And he's like, can you just stay for a while? Like, I'll get someone to go kill the calf and I'll get my wife to bake some bread. Just, can you just stay here while they do that? And he goes, okay. And they hang out all day. God and Abraham and two angels. All day. And then at the end of the day, the other two go on to Sodom and Gomorrah and the Lord stays and talks to Abraham. This isn't a vision, God. It's a theophany, God. That's pretty cool, right? But hey, no one can see God and live. But I, I put to you, no one can actually see the fullness of his glory in this body because we cannot physically handle it. But throughout Scripture, there is evidence over and over and over again of people seeing the face of God and not only living, but being gloriously transformed. Hallelujah. And God wants it for you. I love this Scripture. Exodus chapter 24, verse 9. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet, there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the son of Israel. And they saw God and they ate and drank. Did you just hear what I said? They had dinner with God on the sea of glass. That's cool. God wants so much more for us than we've understood. God's desire throughout Scripture is for genuine fellowship. He doesn't expect you to have a relationship with somebody you can't have a genuine knowledge of. He wants to enlighten the eyes of your understanding in the knowledge of him. You know, when I was just 12 years old, I, I believed in God. I was raised to believe God. I went to Sunday school and I believed in God. But I got real with God one day on, on a youth camp and everyone was worshipping and I was lifting my hands and I'm like, you know, actually, God, I believe in you, but I can't see you and I don't know you and it is really hard to sing to somebody I can't see and I don't know. Help. And right there in the middle of worship, I was converted. The eyes of my understanding were enlightened in the knowledge of him. I saw him with the eyes of my understanding. I couldn't draw you a picture, but I was so deeply impacted that I was converted. From that day on, I came home. My mother said I was a different person, 
and I was never the same ever again. Hallelujah. I believe that God doesn't expect any of us to have an intellectual relationship with God. God is looking for every one of us to seek him and find him. And the, the good news is that there is always more of him to see. We know this because, look, in Exodus 33, a little while later, Moses, who is, I mean, this is beautiful. Moses, it says here in Exodus 33, that whenever Moses entered the tent, the cloud, a pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw a pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. So Moses has had dinner with God. He speaks with God regularly, face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. Yet, in verse 18, he says this. Moses said, I pray, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Yet previously we've just read that he spoke with God face to face. He'd had dinner with God on the sea of glass along with 70 other people. But the glory of the Lord is so intense and so glorious, so incredible that just a glimpse of his glory caused Moses' face to shine, literally glow. Now the veil has been torn and you and I can boldly approach the throne of grace in a time when deep darkness is covering the earth, Isaiah 60, the Lord is telling us, arise and shine. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. This isn't a vain promise of, haha, I'm going to say that, but it's actually just theory. He actually wants to make his face shine on you to the point that you supernaturally lit up. That wherever you go, instead of being covered with fear and distracted with the noise and the stuff that's going on, you present to a world that desperately needs to know him the face of Christ himself. When they see you, they see him. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4 that as he is, so are we in this world. When we behold him, we will be like him. Hallelujah. Anyway. <laughs> Joshua, just in case you're not convinced. Sometimes people get mad with me. They're like, oh, she could not have seen God. Like, I have had encounters with God that have just undone me. That have undone me to the point that I don't know what, I, I, I know what to do. When it first, first really I, I had a, an overwhelming encounter. I was a very uptight choir director at church. And I was conducting the choir. I had the four-part harmonies going. It was all going on. And I, in the middle of worship, as we're doing it, we've got the movements, we've got the harmonies. The Lord says, 
Why don't you kneel? I'm like, I can't kneel. God, I'm conducting the choir. <laughs> and I, I could feel the little nudge of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you kneel? God, everyone will see me. Oh, but I realized and I knew that, that obedience brings blessing, that if I would give my attention to the little pool. And so I, oh, I got down on the floor. <laughs> and the minute my knees hit the platform, I was ushered into the throne room of God. It was so overwhelming that I freaked out and I pulled myself out of it and stood up again. Because I was terrified that I was suddenly going to become jelly on the floor and be completely out of control. I've since learned out of control is a fine place to be if that's what God wants. He is actually totally capable of looking after everything if you will yield to him. But the good news is he didn't get frustrated with me and say, well, I, I, well I'm not going to talk to her for a while. He just kept on my case, kept inviting me. I'd have visions in worship of a glimpse of his eye and be so caught up, I'd start to follow him and he would move. And before I knew it, I was dancing in church. <laughs> but then one night I had an encounter with God where... It was right, I think 1995, right when the Holy Spirit was moving in, a, in joy. And um, that night, as the Holy Spirit touched me, I, I, was, I fell down under the power of God. And I turned my head and I had an open vision of Jesus. And I saw his face and he was looking at me with these eyes that were so filled with love for me that I was overwhelmed. I, I lost it. I laughed. I cried. I couldn't draw a picture to explain to you what he looked like because it was the emotion of what I saw that was so deeply impacting. I have never seen someone look at me and love me like that. I've been married to a beautiful man for 29 years. He loves me deeply, but the love that was in his eyes for me was beyond anything I've ever experienced. And just when you think you can't take any more, he tells you in Ephesians 3 to pray for the Holy Spirit to strengthen you with might so that you can comprehend this love that passes human capacity to comprehend. And just when you think that's enough, I mean, it's intense to have someone look at you and love you and not feel like, okay, that's enough now. But he says, no, 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 pray for strength so that you can, you can comprehend the, the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth so I can fill you with all my fullness. Wow. <laughs> the Word of God is an invitation waiting for your response. You see, we can memorize passages of it, and I encourage you to do it. But if you'd actually take it like a little child and recognize that is a real invitation. I did Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. I, I took that as a real invitation. I realized a long while ago I needed to know this love that passes knowledge. I was a deeply insecure person. And I, I recognized that perfect love casts out fear. And so I began to pray. I personalized it. I prayed it intentionally. 
every day for three months. I thought, I'm going to have this. This is, I know enough about the Bible to know that this is a prayer for all the saints, that that includes me. This is definitely the will of God because it's in the Bible. So he must want this for me. So, okay, I can have this. He said, whatever I ask according to his will, I can have. So I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask it exactly what the Bible prays here because I, I can tell and attach my faith that he does want to give me this. So I'm going to have this. And I personalized it and prayed it, that apostolic prayer about knowing the love of Christ that passes knowledge, being filled up to overflowing. And over a three-month period, my life was transformed. I still regularly pray. Lord, strengthen me with might in my inner being so that I can truly come to comprehend together with all the saints, Christ dwelling in my heart through faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend what is the love of Christ that passes knowledge, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the love of God that is beyond my human comprehension, that I might be filled up to overflowing. Oh God, now unto you who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above be glorified in in the church in Christ Jesus to all generations and you know if you pray that believing he'll give it to you you'll begin to look with an expectation to see I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking us to recognize that he is starting to grip a hold of your heart and pull you to turn aside, to give your attention to what God is doing because he wants to reveal himself in ways that are beyond your capacity to comprehend. Hallelujah. Psalm 27, which I love, says, it talks about seeking his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. All the way through scripture, God's saying, seek my face. In the book of Revelation, he says, uh, seek and you will find. He tells us in Revelation 1. I mean, you can look all all seek my face scriptures up throughout scripture. Chronicles, Samuel. I mean, it's amazing as you read and you see. But in Revelation chapter 1 verse 12, John says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That is, he was making room to seek God. And he heard a voice. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. You know, if you will seek to know the one that is starting to pull you in, and you'll give your attention, and you'll look with an expectation to see, you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Hallelujah. That's not a scripture just for unbelievers. It's actually written to believers. If you will seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And it says here, And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were flames of fire. 
that sounds like seeing God to me. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead and behold. That means look and see. I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I believe the heart of God is for every one of us to open our hearts. He says, if you look here in, the, in Revelation chapter 3, hallelujah. Is your heart burning? If there's even just a little pilot light there, you know what? It doesn't have to be a long process for it to come into a big flame. God can instantly cause ignition to happen. Hallelujah, if you'll turn aside. You know, it says here, verse 29, no, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him. This is what he's wanted to do all along. He's wanted to eat with you and drink with you and for you to behold him and for you to have a real, genuine glorious relationship with him from the beginning to the end. Hallelujah. I will, <laughs> I will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I'll grant him to sit with me on my throne. It's beautiful. And then straight after that in chapter 4, John says, After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the voice which I first heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking. And he said, Come up here. And I'll show you what must take place. So he, he was just telling him, knock and the door will be opened. And boom, door's opened. Come on up. I, I look at that scripture and I think about my kids. I, my kids live, still live at home. They're 19, 23 and 26. And I like that they live at home. It's nice. I don't like it. And in the mornings when I get up, um, I, I like to have them around the breakfast table. I mean, I just want to talk with them. We read scripture together. We discuss what's going on. We, I, I want to hear about their dreams. I, I just like their company. So even though they live in my house, I make a cup of tea and I go and knock on their door. And they say, Emily, come and eat breakfast with me. And I go to Joseph and I rattle his ankle and I say, Joseph, come and eat the breakfast with your mommy. He's like, oh, mommy, come on, come and eat with me. I stand at the door and I knock because I want to have fellowship with them. I long for their company. I, I they are technically family. They are in the house, but I still stand at the door and knock. Because I want fellowship with them. But you know what? 
God's knocking at the door of your heart. And he's saying, I want to dine with you. Yeah, I'm coming. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I said, come, 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 come. Because he wants you to encounter him in ways that you have never seen before. And there is always more. You might have had a glorious conversion encounter, but let me tell you, there is more. Moses had glorious encounters, but you know what the taste did? Is it only made him hungrier? And he's like, yeah, I've seen the sea of glass. Yes, I've spoken with you face to face. And I believe this personal revival that's going on is God getting us ready for a revelation of his glory beyond what we've seen before. And in his mercy, he's causing us to surrender the little compromises and the things that have been um, hindering and, and taking up space in our hearts, inviting us to make room because the King of Glory, the King of Glory, started to come in in the book of Acts, and it was full on. But you know what? That was then, and he goes from glory to glory. God doesn't want us just to experience what they experienced in the book of Acts. He wants to see exceedingly, abundantly above. What will that look like? I tell you, ready, set, go. He is more ready than you are. And he, it's upon us. We've been talking about it, praying about it for years and years and years, decades. Lord, send your glory, revival, glory. Oh, now he's here. And he's inviting you. You know, but it means making room. It, it, it might mean like your, your life might look like at the end of the day after work, you have dinner, watch some Netflix, go to sleep thinking about the plot. And God's knocking at the door saying, I'm so hungry for fellowship with you. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is lovely to me. And if you'll start to recognize the little knock... And you'll start to turn aside and give your attention. What will he do? The exceedingly, abundantly above is promised to those who will surrender to his love. He will allow his love to conquer them to the point that they cannot and they do not want to hold on to any little compromise. They want to cry out, God, Everything. I want you to have everything. I want my life to belong to you. I want my life to be utterly filled with you. With all your fullness, come and fill every corner. He's bringing us into the place where we can live free from guilt and sin because we've turned aside from that which, we, uh, uh, that which is wrong and we have turned to him and said, Yes, God, I want to live free, holy. Thank you, Jesus. And it means putting away the stuff that you'd be ashamed of other people seeing because it just clutters your head. He wants you to live a life where you you could be 
comfortable with people seeing into any moment of your life because it's clean, it's holy, and he's giving us the power to do it. Hallelujah. I'm here, I'm here to call you up higher because the invitation is waiting for you on the sea of glass. I've been having visions of the sea of glass for the last few weeks thinking, what is this, God? What is this? And I believe it's him saying, I've got the room ready. I'm waiting for my people to come and eat with me. I want them to come and eat with me. After the 70 elders had dinner, eating and drinking with God, they went down and because it didn't turn out the way they thought, they made a golden calf. God is looking for those who would taste and see and then turn aside and make more room and say, I want more, I want more, I want more. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to, I want to play the game where it's, it's, I'm thinking just a few people will go and do that. I want to be one that, that engages in consistent fellowship with God because he who has, more will be given. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, oh, I believe the Spirit of God is knocking right now on the door of Harmony's, Harmony's heart. Hallelujah. On your heart. You know, you are, the, you are the first ones to see the sun. I believe, you know, in the natural, first the natural, first, then the spiritual. We've in Australia, we've had the fires, we've had the rains, and now we're having an outpouring has begun. But I can tell you, here in New Zealand, God is awakening His people. Hallelujah! Who who would recognise and say that? Yes, I've been feeling over these past few weeks a personal revival starting to stir in my heart. Just give me a wave. Look at that. It's the majority of people. God is awakening Christchurch. God is awakening his people. And as you will recognize and give your attention to that, I was, um, I came home and um, from overseas and I, that night I was just having an old song rolling around in my heart. You know that, how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. And I, I just, I heard it rolling around in my heart and I recognized it as a knocking. There, there we are. That's an invitation from God who's saying, I'd really love to hear your voice. So I got out the chord charts. I looked up the verses. And I, I just began to sing it to him. And then I went into my room and there was a storm happening. And I watched the lightning and I just sang. Just just sang it to him and had such an encounter with God and I felt him nudge me to go and pick up one of the old hymnals that my cousin had dropped off from my grandmother's house and picked it up in 1892 given to my relative who was the choir director Okay, and I just read through some of the, the words and just sang some of the old hymns to him and had this most beautiful time with God and as I lay my head on the pillow that night at a vision and I saw myself giving a gift to God 
my heart was like, God, what can I give you? I'll give you anything. I just want to give you anything. And he said, your song is a gift to me. And I remembered how remarkable it is that God is genuinely moved by your voice, by my voice. He, he likes it so much, so much more than we understand that he'd, he'd just say, I want to show you how much that meant to me. It's like I didn't spend hours in prayer. I wasn't travailing. I wasn't on a 40-day fast. I just... I just turned aside to sing a song that you put in my heart. And he said, ah, it was a gift to me. And how much more beautiful than watching some Netflix. Now, I'm not against. You can do whatever you like. All things are lawful, but not all things are edifying. And in this moment, as God is starting to move, you have a choice. You have a choice. You are free how you want to spend your life. But I want to tell you, if you'll recognize the moment of your visitation, if you'll recognize that there is a stirring and a pulling and you'll give yourself to it, if you can see and, and recognize in faith the oak tree in the acorn, as the world is freaking out, God is causing his people to arise and shine. And he doesn't ask you to shine out of an intellectual understanding of who he is. He's asking you to shine because you are beholding his face. Will you turn aside? Will you take some time? Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your presence, Lord. He makes his face to shine on us.